Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. So this is Against the Stream. Welcome. Um, I'm going to take a... uh, break from our regular scheduled kind of series that I've been going through, which has been the Eightfold Path. Well, it's all related because it's all Dharma, you know, and everything is teaching us. Um, Yeah, but something about this time of year um, brings contemplation for me around death. So we're going to talk about death and the Buddhist kind of practice around death contemplation, and we're going to talk about um, the fact that uh, we all die, and that most of us live the majority of our life, and most of the religions are actually set up to uh, keep us feeling comfortable and in denial, or at least some acceptance of the way things are, but a little bit with a delusion. There's fairy tales about death. And um, so we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to do some practice around it. And just even me talking about it, just starting to talk about it, what comes up, just like what, just to maybe reflect for a moment, what what came up when I said we're going to talk about death. Um. Maybe you were like, yeah, I love that topic. Maybe you were like, can I leave now? Maybe if you're on Zoom, you're like, there's probably some other YouTube thing I can go that's about enlightenment and joy. Maybe life after death. Yeah, maybe life after death. If there is a life after death. That's what lots of religions... um, because uh, human beings like a type of energy. Mm. Energy never disappears. Mm. Energy is for forever. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's like, you know, the flow of universal. Mm. Mm. You come from, put from the Right. So, maybe the same place. Yeah. So we'll get there. But I'm glad that you're reflecting on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. So, yeah. So we're going to do, I'm going to talk a little bit about really the first foundation of mindfulness. Uh, which in the what's called the Maha Satipatthana Sutta, uh, which means basically the four foundations of mindfulness, the great teaching of the four foundations of mindfulness um, from a Buddhist perspective. And the first foundation is pr- traditionally talked about as breath or body awareness. And that's true. But there's more to, there's more to it that often gets... Um, you know, just kind of glossed over. So I'll just kind of, the, I'll just read this little bit that the development of mindfulness can be a whole practice often, often do it to itself, particularly around the breath and body. And um, one of the aspects is to see that um, breath and the realization of death practice and the understanding of the body, um, they're all can be kind of teased out in separate practices, yet they're grouped together as the first foundation of mindfulness. 
saying start with breath, body, awareness, and the contemplation of the end of this body. That uh, if, if the three characteristics of existence are true, and the three characteristics of existence from a Buddhist perspective are that shit happens, there is suffering in this world, that all things change, the impermanent nature of things, and don't take it personal. You're not the only one that's going to die. You're not the only one that has died. You're not the only one that suffered. You're not the only one that feels grief. You know, that it's really all part of this experience here. So shit happens, all things change, don't take it personal. And the don't take it personal is the the actual term is called anatta, which means that there is no fixed and permanent self to cling to. And that so much of our suffering comes from clinging even to this life, clinging to, you know, being somebody, clinging, clinging to having things, clinging to um, making ourselves out to be someone or something or, you know, possessions and that there's a lot of suffering that happens around that. So, yeah, so we'll do some basic practices, just moving on a little bit. Some of the activities that are talked about in the, in the first foundation, one is called 30, 32 parts of the body. So the 32 parts of the body are a um, contemplation practice, an inquiry practice, and it basically, I, you know, there's 32 parts that you chant through uh, systematically over and over and over again. And I have actually done that practice, and um, it's really, really useful. But one of the main aspects that I'll bring in tonight is really just reflecting on hair, nails, teeth, skin. <clears throat> And so even just a kind of hair, nails, teeth, skin, and contemplating and connecting with our own hair, nails, teeth, and skin, which all die. They die while we're living. They die every day. Hair, nails, teeth, and skin are constantly dying off, and there's some new growth that's also taking place, hopefully, unless you're, you know genetically uh, inclined, such as myself. <clears throat> um, and then it even goes into like head hair, body hair, you know, uh, and then, you know, moving through, systematically moving through the organs and the, the, and not just the beautiful aspects of the body, but actually the, what's called the putrid aspects of the body, like bile and feces, and, you know, spit and blood and all of these kind of all the the parts of our body that we don't necessarily like about ourselves or even know you know so this is and then it goes through organs and it goes through all these different aspects um so the third two parts of the body is a contemplative practice that also is the idea is to prepare us for death i often talk about how um this practice or Buddhism in general is really preparing us to die or helping us to come out of denial of some very key elements that we, um, that we get stuck in, we get caught in, 
which cause which cause you know the ripple of dissatisfaction. So coming out of denial. So we'll do some practices around that. And then there's another practice known as the four elements practice. And so the four elements practice, which we'll do a bit of today in the guided meditation in a few minutes. This is really not only just seeing um, the change and the, you know, the, the fact that this body will die, but also that it's not just this body. It's not just our body that it's actually elements. It's, there's an earth element to this body, there's a water element to this body that we're actually just like the earth. There is, you know, uh, I say earth element, there's a fire element to this body, you know, there is a wind or an air element to this body. And this is, uh, for me, it's been a very deep contemplation and, you know, even like the earth itself, the earth is only alive because of the fire in the center of it, you know, and the sun, the energy of the sun, right? Otherwise it would just die, just like this body. And so that's part of the contemplation of the first foundation of mindfulness. And then it goes on to talk about, um, the decay of the body and to literally contemplate the death and the decay of this body. And so I guess maybe because it's close to Halloween or it's close to the day of the dead, or it's just, you know, it's just a practice that I like to kind of bring in every so often. And I was, you know, I was thinking about death today. I was actually working with someone. I was kind of inspired. I was working with someone who um, is older, and I've known them for a really long time. And they're worried about their own demise, about the end of life. And not totally worried, but like, you know, blocked, stuck a little bit, and we worked together. And so it just kind of inspired me and also allowed me to kind of do some reflection for myself. Oh, yeah, I'm getting older, too. Oh, yeah. You know, this body, too, will perish at one point. And it's really useful and important to um, see that, not as a macabre, but as a way to how can we further, you know, live in this moment, in each moment, because none of us are guaranteed another, you know. So that's some of the contemplation so far. I want to kind of move into, uh, we'll move into some meditation and, um, and then we'll kind of loop back around, but I'm going to bring in some of the elements that I've talked about, the, uh, the, the four elements and also some death contemplation, body-centered meditation practice tonight. So I want to encourage you, I, I spaced out the chairs a little bit, and uh, people helped me, and I appreciate that, because I want to encourage you to lay down, to get into corpse pose. If you want to grab cushions, grab a cushion for your head, you know, but if you, if you really, um, yeah, if you feel comfortable, and those of you at home, you know, laying down and... Uh, 
you know, not like you're going to roll around your side and fall asleep, but like a corpse, <coughs> like in a coffin. Of course, it's your choice. You don't have to, right? But if you feel up to it, it allows uh, for the body scan. Yeah. Did you remember that day, Jason, early on the You want this blanket? Yeah. Uh, you want this blanket? Horrible allergy attacks. Everybody's we, freaking out. We do like, vacuum this uh, at least right. once a week. Yeah. It'll be fine. Use the blanket. You want the blanket? Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. It'll be good. So for the rest of you, just finding a posture where you can be relaxed and alert, laying down. Sitting upright. Right, and settling in, settling into a posture that's workable, that's sustainable. Hearing the bell. So we'll just start with feeling the breath in the body, laying in a corpse pose, even seated up, feeling the breath in the body. This breath is born, stays for a time, and passes away. See if you can connect to the beginning, the middle, and the end of each breath.
connecting with the air element of this body. Perhaps shifting to the earth element of this body, the solidity, the bones. The muscles, the organs. the hair, the nails, the teeth, and the skin of this body. The earth element. The hardness the heaviness, the solidity of this body. Not as me or mine, just as earth element. just as air element, the breath, the different gases in this body, the water element of this body, the fluidity, the liquidity connectiveness the binding nature The blood, the urine, the spit, the tears, the sweat, the bile, 
all of the water element. Shifting to the fire element of this body, the warmth or cold. The emotion. The feeling of heatedness, being heated. the electrical energy of this body. The life force energy of this body. So taking some time, perhaps shifting to the earth element, the bones, the solidity, the heaviness of this body, the material nature of this body. The earth or the tree or the rock. The bones, the bone marrow, Perhaps scanning through the body from head to feet, feet to head. Just bringing awareness to all the sensations that are present. Solidity, fluidity.
heat or cold. The energy the breath And then imagining for a time that the life force energy that keeps the heart pumping and the brain active it's not even an imagination, it's really an understanding. This will come to an end. This body is going to die. We will get old. We will get sick. And eventually, this body will perish from existing. and a dissolving process will take place just as all things that arise pass away so too will this body I see my own body dead for a few days. Bloated, blue, festering.
I see my own body. Infested with worms and flies. Decaying. I see that all that is left of my body is a skeleton with some flesh and blood still clinging to it. I further consider my skeleton corpse without any flesh, yet still spotted with blood and held together with tendons. All that is left of my dead body is a skeleton with no blood stains held together by tendons. I see now that all is left is a collection of scattered bones. The bones of the feet have gone one way, the bones of the hands another, a thigh bone, a pelvis, spinal vertebra, jaw, teeth, a skull, have all come apart in different directions. They're all now just bare bones. All that is left is a collection of bleached bones. A year has passed and I see that my dead body is reduced to being a pile of old bones. These bones decay and become dust, blown apart and scattered by the wind. They cannot even be called bones anymore. Everyone has to die. It's not personal. Our lifespan is decreasing continuously.
the amount of time spent during our life to develop the mind is fleeting. Human life expectancy is uncertain. Our possessions and enjoyments cannot help at the end. Our loved ones cannot help at the end. Our own bodies, no matter how well we take care of them, cannot help. There is no avoiding death. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearm and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life?
connecting again to your earth element, the bones, the organs. the hair, the nails, the teeth, the skin. The muscles and tendons. The water element. The fluidity the connectiveness. The air element, the breath. Arising, staying for a time, passing away. We are only alive one breath at a time. This life force energy, the warmth of the body the emotion of the body. The life force. The electrical impulse. I am of the nature to get ill, to get sick. I am of the nature to get old. We can escape getting old. I am of the nature to die. No one escapes death. How will you live? What is the most useful 
undertaking for this life. So what I'd like to do now is actually have you guys turn into small groups and I'm going to break you into small groups and just reflect what was that like for you? Pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? Was it disgusting? Was it hard? Was it fun? Not in here. Okay. So just a reflection. Yeah, we'll just kind of leave it at that. We'll just kind of leave it open. So just turn towards, you know, get in little groups of three. And I'll uh, ring a bell in a few minutes. And so try to give yourself like a minute each, perhaps. Okay, guys, we'll see you in a bit. About about twenty more seconds. And we're back. Right. So let's, um, it's great. There was some lively chat. Hopefully that happened in the room. I saw that maybe some of the rooms, not everyone got into the chat. So I apologize if I messed up in some way. And for those of you in the YouTube world in the future, maybe you can, well, I should have said this before. <laughs> you could uh, reduce some reflection for yourself. 
Okay, what came up? Anyone want to share either their own practice uh, or you know their own experience, either during the meditation or in the discussion? Maybe if you shared something that came up during the discussion, either on the Zoom or in the room. Open discussion, sharing. Please. Just, uh, you know, we were talking and just feeling inspired, like, you know, life is now and like, specifically, like, why am I so afraid of certain things, you know, and how much it limits me and how, make, how much that makes my life smaller. And then, you know, a reminder that life is you know, short or maybe not short, but it's unpredictable. And that, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was inspiring. I was like, you know, I really need to, like, start doing this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And why am I not? So. Great. That's the intention, hopefully, you know, um, is that it's kind of like, I had this, um, I was at this monastery in southern Thailand. It's called Wat Swan Mok. Uh, and if you ever want to go, if you're ever in southern Thailand, in the Chaya district, Wat Swan Mok is the Garden of Liberation. And they have uh, a 10-day meditation retreat, meditation retreat that starts the first Monday of, or Sunday of every month. So it just, it's just going. You just show up. Um, of course, they have a website, but it's called Garden of Liberation, yeah. Wat Swan Monk. Anyway, there was this guy, he was a, the, the elderly monk, the um, abbot, and he would come out every night. Uh, if you remember me talking about the mosquito, my mosquito situation where the mosquitoes were eating me and then I just let them eventually, um, that was where it was, yeah, at Wat Swan Monk. And he would come out and he was, you know, he was always like Yoda. Like he was like with a little cane, like a wooden cane and robes and like spoke in this broken English. It was really, it was very much Yoda-like, yeah. And he's super wise. He was like, must have been, you know, late 80s. And he would come out and he would say, every night he would come out for the final meditation of the evening, which was at 9.30. And he would say, effort is the duty of today. For even tomorrow, death may come. And that was like his inspirational speech, you know, of like practice, wake up, see clearly, live freely, you know. Effort is the duty of today for even tomorrow death may come. And it just always, and it totally inspired me to, I would be up all night. I couldn't sleep. Practicing. So thanks for sharing that. It is uncertain. As we all know, we all just kind of came through so much uncertainty, you know, fear and doubt, uncertainty. It's not like it was, it, it wasn't there and then we became, and then it, it was there and now it's not there anymore. It was always there. And we were just really so friggin' distracted and busy. And then all of a sudden, er, slow it down and then depending on your type you know your personality type if you were a go 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 person uh life changed and we became very aware if you were a very introverted kind of you know there were some people that were like oh i 
I love this lockdown stuff, you know? I'm getting, I'm reading books, I'm getting things done, I'm getting unemployment, I don't even have to work, <laughs> you know? They were into it for about six or eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD. I call it FUD. I have a meditation that is about addressing fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And this kind of contemplation is very similar. Yeah. Sorry, enough. I shouldn't be talking. I want to hear from you. <laughs> I remember back in the day, you know, have those movies, and it would be about like the nuclear explosion. Yeah, yeah. People would die, and they'd, they'd have like just the skeleton. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. I was like, well, at least that's certain. Yeah. You know, that gave uh -huh. us some sort of solace. Like, oh yeah, well, great. Well, you just. But it's the uncertainty of, uh -huh. of not knowing that's, that is, yeah, the fud. <laughs> the fud of it, yeah. I remember those too. Yeah. Um, as a former Christian, I think that there's a, you know, a, inscribed in my habitual thinking the possibility of you know, an afterlife. Mm -hmm. That looked very specific, you know, mm -hmm. clouds, the sky, yeah, yeah, the light, um, the harps, yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you know, I'm a Buddhist and I, I studied with um, Tibetan, the Tibetan language, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of afterlife, you know, talk and teachings, yeah, the, the bardos and Tibetan Buddhist book of the dead. It's it's, it's beautiful, valid material, mm -hmm. but the the starkness mm -hmm. of a Theravadan approach to Death is really powerful, and I think, mm. you know, I, I I find a lot of value in just pressing pause on any kind of wishful thinking, mm -hmm. <laughs> and just dying, and, mm. and just like allowing for that kind of severe mm -hmm. um, silence, mm. and it's probably the most powerful thing mm. that the four reminders do. Uh -huh. yeah. It's just such a so it's a bucket of cold water, but it's, it's such a necessary thing to just snap you out of the illusion of waiting for the next day. Mm -hmm. to see. Mm -hmm. Later. later. I, can, I can do it later. <laughs> One day. Or if I'm good in this life, which is, this is oh, a bit of a, this, this, this is a bit of a, it's not only, you know, Christian, right? But it's also, uh, uh, there's also some of this in the, um, all of Buddhism. This, if I'm good in this life, then I'll get the reward in the, in the next life. Merit. Yeah. Merit. Right. 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 Good. I'll develop good karma. And then my next life will be fortunate rebirth, which would mean this to be born again in this realm. This is the fortunate rebirth, by the way, you know. So yeah, there's some, there's some of that sprinkled in, um, but I appreciate what you're saying. And, and I, that's why I did it. And I felt a little like, I don't know, it's a little like bloated and festering and worms and, you know, like maybe people are like weirded out by it. And um, if you are, then, you know, I guess I apologize. But uh, it is the stark reality. It's the ice bucket challenge of this of this practice. Yeah. There's something else about that. Oh yeah. And then the other thing, even as I was going through, what I did, I went through the the that's the contemplation in the Maha uh, Satipatthana Sutta. So that's a that's the kind of direct 
translation of how we're how we're supposed to and i've done this you know in charnel grounds you know uh, going to graveyards go visit a graveyard hang out meditate it's so peaceful there yeah walking meditation i you know uh in graveyards you know the, the forever hollywood cemetery yeah the forever hollywood cemetery it's like a, yeah like a, uh, I think something's freeway. Uh huh. And you go in inside, and like suddenly going to be silent. Uh huh. Yeah. And you understand, like, like you, you know, like uh, infinity. Mm hmm. And it's like a different world. Mm hmm. Absolutely, like mm -hmm. you know, like no time, nothing. Mm -hmm. Like and it's like a no time. Mm hmm. It's like time stop. Yeah. Don't. And after this, you go from cemetery outside, it's like freeway, people Yeah, moving. right, busy. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> no, it's true, yeah. Yes, like different world. Mm -hmm. Almost every uh, city, when I, I was traveling uh, for a while for work and whatnot, and um, I would go visit a cemetery. And I was in New Orleans, actually. Um, and I was, and they have amazing cemeteries in New Orleans. And I was sitting, um, and I wasn't even really, I was doing some like looking at the, you know, the tombstones and, you know, the, the mausoleums and the names and the dates and some of that. But at some point, I, it was really hot, actually. And I found a tree. Well, there was like three in the whole friggin' cemetery. And, uh, and I went and I sat on this kind of a mausoleum that was um, next to the tree. So it was shaded by the tree. And I just sat and I kind of fell into a, you know, a pretty peaceful meditation. Um, and then after some time, you know, I got up and I turned to the tombstone or the mausoleum to bow. And it said Murphy. And I, hadn't, I didn't notice it before. And it was like, whoa, it just was like, a, you know, smack. And um yeah, it just was cool. It was a cool moment of like, yeah, that's what I've been doing here, you know, that this too will be me, you know, at some, although hopefully not wrapped up in a mausoleum and in a coffin and pumped full of all kinds of weird preservatives. Like, that's another thing that we really do in this country, you know. I, I, I could say more, but I want to hear from Michael. Thanks, Jason. This is something in the past that I was very averse to and disassociated a lot with and was in a lot of denial about. But tonight, I don't know why, for some reason, I just was more accepting and investigated the texture of it and just went with it and lied down and like went with your guidance. And, and even in practice, um, I'm in a... Uh, Ajahn Tomato course that, that Noah has going, and, you know, um, you talked about the Yoda like monk who had given the, um, you know, the the talking about efforting, talk about effort, and and Ajahn Tomato had talked about that this morning in one of his talks, so it kind of intersected, and um, it's so good just to kind of not contest experience, mm. just investigate the texture breath by breath, moment by moment, and 
like, because I'm a striver. Like, that's just my nature. And lately, I'm just, like, not striving. Just, like, next right indicator step, breath by breath. Like, going with experience. And that was really tranquil for me tonight. And that's such a big departure and change for me relative to to death. I mean, I feel like I just accepted it. And I'm more accepting that, you know, that, you know, of the recollections and, and, and of death. And um, I don't have, I just want to just go moment to moment. And I mean, it's like, just let go and just go breath by breath. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mike, for sharing that. Um, anyone else in the room want to share their experience? Please. Just one quick sort of observation. My friend who made a documentary recently about the homeless in Dallas, mm -hmm. one of her observations was that you know, everybody sort of has their opinions about the homeless and uh -huh. whatever. But when a homeless person dies, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden the, the police and the paramedics, they act very differently with the sort of respect for the body mm. that they weren't given when they were just on the streets. Mm. You know, and what is that respect that all of a sudden everybody has for the you know, body that the person is sort of mm. you know, It's just a thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there we have some, hopefully, some reverence for the dead, you know, even sometimes um, when healing couldn't happen with family members or, you know, uh, people that we've had difficulties with after death, it's still possible, it's more possible. You know, so there's some kind of, I think there's some, that's just my kind of two cents about it. Um, and, you know, I've, I've known people and I've spoken with people who are like, um, like I'll never forgive my dad, you know, or whatever, right? You know, that person or the abuser or, and then upon death, um, there's usually a lot of regret that they didn't. And then there can be some, some healing, some peace that can happen through that, you know? Uh, one of my Dharma friends from a long time ago used to say, and he was like a folk singer, and he, he, but he used to like folk, folk punk is I think what he called himself, folk punk singer. And he, he uh, would say, forgive everybody everything. Forgive everybody everything. Why not? You don't ever have to bring them into your house again, but you don't have to carry the weight. Forgive everybody everything. You know, and this is a, a person who had a lot of adversity, a lot of abuse, and was openly gay in a very kind of Republican, um, you know, country town, and got beat up and got, you know, was a you know, just there was, I don't want to get into too much of his story, but it was, he had a lot of reasons to, to hate people. Yeah. Forgive everybody, everything. What do you have to lose? You only have to gain. Yeah. Only your chains. Yeah. Fair enough. 
I discovered something funny um, when my aunt died in New York, and mm -hmm. I went and picked up her ashes. I posted mm -hmm. a, a picture on Facebook of um, I stopped at our favorite pizza place and the box of her ashes on the table. I'm eating pizza, and I said, "The last time I'm going to eat pizza with my aunt." Mm -hmm. 250 people on Facebook started talking about how they sprinkled ashes in different places in Manhattan of like their father, their uncle, whoever it was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, the whole of Manhattan. It's littered with people. Who knew? Give me a whole other perspective, like walking back to the apartment. Right, right. Like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's true. It's true. A lot of them were at ballparks. Uh huh. Like uh huh. Yankee Stadium. Sure. <laughs> That's where you want yours. That's where I want my ashes. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. And I like the the you know this is the last time I get to eat pizza with you. That's great. I don't know. Is there anything anything more up for people sharing the practice? Please. Can I get a copy of this meditation? Yeah. This is my favorite. Uh huh. Sorry. Oh, that um the the poem is Mary Oliver. And uh, it's called The Summer's Day. And I felt like it was a little bit more uplifting at the end of, you know, and then your bones and your festering and your not, your not existent. And then this, you know, what are you going to do with this one precious life? You know, and it's, it's one of, it's my favorite line. Yeah. Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I have another, um, this is uh, from a Tibetan yogi named Milarepa, pretty famous. And uh, he wrote, the fear of death and infernal rebirths due to the evil actions has led me to practice in solitude in the snow-capped mountains on uncertainty of death's duration no i'm sorry on the uncertainty of life's duration and the moment of death i have deeply meditated thus have i reached the deathless unshakable citadel of realization of the absolute essence my fear and doubts have vanished like mist into the distance, never to disturb me again. I will die content and free from regrets. This is the fruit of Dharma practice. Milarepa, Tibetan yogi. Like 18th century. So much of the, the practice is about kind of um, just being comfortable with that idea. 
This too shall pass. And we get so locked into the, the, you know, I said in the beginning, the three characteristics of existence. We get so locked in to the first one, suffering. And cling to all of these things that we think are going to help us relieve the suffering. This is where addictions come from, where, you know, the kind of greed comes from. Attachment. But the other two are the liberating factors. You know. The impermanent nature of things is all that's this is the impermanent nature that we're talking about. And so it's also the positive of it. And then the not-self. There's no fixed and permanent, from the Buddhist perspective, anything here. Just like there. So why do we get so bound up? You know? Sometimes, you know, I talk about my past, you know, I talk about my life. And, you know, I feel like I've had several incarnations in this life. You know, and somebody not that long ago was asking me, like, you know, if you ever want to talk about things about your life, you know, and I'm like, eh. I mean, I, it's part of the conditioning that I have been raised in, you know, raised with. But so much of it is really just these karmic kind of cycles, you know. And it's not avoidance. So I'm not like, I don't try to avoid my life. I'll talk about it when it feels appropriate or, you know, whatever. But here, this is what matters. Sometimes I, uh, when I'm my own practice or when I'm uh, working with people, I get the why. Why is this happening to me? I don't know. And I don't really care, actually. I mean, I care, but I don't care, right? It's the how. One, how do I, how am I gonna cope with this right now? And how am I gonna move forward and be lighter in my own life? Be, have less of that kind of karmic kind of heaviness, you know? And I feel like this practice and the liberation is really about letting go of that heaviness. Just some thoughts. Anyone else? Please. <clears throat> Why do you think the, uh, the abbot gave the Sort of seize the day, a teaching at the end of the day, almost paralyzing it, sort of like a master, you know, transmuting. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, I think like what happens on retreat, um, I, and he, you know, lived in a monastery, you know, he was a monk for a long, I don't even know how long. Um, 
I think, I mean, he was trying to inspire us to really delve into the practice, even though our bodies were tired, we've been sitting on tiny little, you know, pillows and that were like rope and uh, on a concrete fucking floor every day for, you know, 18 hours, sitting, walking, sitting, walking. So at the end of the day, he was like trying to encourage us because what happens for me during meditation, longer meditation retreats, and those of you who have been on retreat, maybe you've experienced this, the mind becomes very uh, energized. The body fucking killing you, right? So even if I was like gonna, I would go and, and this is also the same place that has the wooden pillow that I was talking about. It was a, literally, it reminded me of the jail cells that I had spent, <laughs> drunk tanks and stuff, like concrete, you know, concrete bed with a wooden pillow or, or you know, replace toilet paper roll for anyone who's ever been in a drug tank and, um, or a holding cell. And uh, anyway, I would go and I would lay down and I, my body would be vibrating with energy. Yet it was, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night and I had been meditating all day. So, you know, I think he was kind of saying, seize that opportunity to practice. So, you know, doing walking practice or you know, sitting outside or, you know, um, because, I mean, just like he was saying, to put, you know, bringing the effort, the using that wise effort, not just believing the laziness or the, you know, oh, I've done enough meditation for today, you know. It's not lazy, but just the I've done enough meditation, which sometimes that's the right thing to do, you know. Just to make it, just to kind of balance the, the concrete bed and the wooden pillow, <laughs> there was a natural hot spring that was just right outside my door which was a beautiful place to meditate <laughs> in the hot spring. <laughs> so there was another, um, another, was it a monk? I can't remember his name. That would just say, oh, um, this was in Burma, but I can't remember his name right now. But he would just say, carry on. Carry on. At the end of every, at the end of every Dharma talk, you know, he would give a Dharma talk and he would say, you know, carry on. Keep going. Right. So, thank you for your time and attention. There's no other kind of questions. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up for the night. I uh, appreciate your coming uh, both to the center here and online. And, you know, of course, um, this center is run completely on the donation of those who attend. And uh, we'd like to um, do more here. And uh, I'm actually I'm planning um, some some day longs in the near future, uh, and with the effort is the duty of today. We'll have some day longs um, in the near future. I'll kind of see what works for my schedule, but it's time. We haven't really had a day long here in a while, 
so in person, and I think maybe I'll do a hybrid thing for people who want to attend. Um, but yeah, a day long is basically like a nine to four practice, sitting, walking, little group discussions, just a longer period of dedication to, thanks for asking, yeah. Um, a longer period of dedication to practice. Usually there's a theme, you know. And so anyway, you can donate. Um, there's a link in the chat and there's a bowl and a Venmo um, on the desk. Uh, also, you can always go to againstthestream.com and click on the donate button. You can, you can actually become a monthly, don't, uh, a monthly donor here, which really helps us to kind of sustain and it just makes it easy and then you come and come when you can and you don't have to worry about if you brought cash or Venmoing or whatever, but we appreciate it. So just gathering all the goodness of our practice, because we don't only do this for ourselves, we do this practice, we, we participate for the liberation of all beings. May I be happy and free from suffering. May all beings be happy and free from suffering. May any goodness be dedicated to the freedom from suffering for all beings. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.